This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey backpackers, Bird Shooter here. And tonight on the show I speak with Jen Kelly, known on the trail as Sprinkles, who recently completed a thru-hike of the Tahoe Rim Trail. Sprinkles was last on the show in the summer of 2015, after thru-hiking a number of regional trails that year, but she is back on the show to fill us in on her life these last five years, and share with us lots of great information on the TRT. If you want to thru-hike but have struggled to find the time, this is a great show for you. Sprinkles tells us everything you need to know to plan a thru-hike on the Tahoe Rim Trail, which can be done in 10 days or less, well within reach of most people's vacation schedules. Here is episode 81. All right, this is Bird Shooter. I'd like to welcome Sprinkles back to the show. It's been five years since we last spoke in episode 28. And she's back to tell us about her nearly 200-mile trip this year on the Tahoe Rim Trail in California and uh, also Nevada. Sprinkles, welcome back to the show. I am really excited to be back and to talk trail with you again, so thank you for having me. Uh, I love uh, I love the Sierra. I love California and some of that area around uh, Tahoe, so I can't wait to talk about it. Um, yeah. Hey, but let me ask you first, when we talked... If you can believe it, it was July 2015, and you, you had the <laughs> most ultimate summer a backpacker could wish for. You did the Benton Mackay, the Finger Lakes, the North Placid, and the Long Trails all along the yeah. East Coast. I mean, wow, what a summer, huh? It was a hell of a summer, and I really worked hard for that summer. I don't know if I covered that in the podcast last time, but I had worked two jobs, 60 hours a week for over a year to save up for that summer, and it was worth every single hour of overtime. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so first of all, what have you been up to personally since then? Hiking and work and everything else. I mean, it's five years has flown by. Yeah. So when when the ultimate summer was over, um, I actually ended up buying a house and moving back to the town I grew up in in Sevierville, Tennessee, uh, Dolly Parton's hometown just outside of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Um, and after that, I was I was home for about a week when I put out into the universe that I just wanted to get paid to go hiking forever sure. um, and got a job as a backpacking guide. Um, I worked with a company called A Walk in the Woods based out of Gatlinburg um, for a couple of seasons. And then uh, fate intervened and I was going to leave to hike the Mountains to Seas Trail in 2018. And uh, I wasn't really sure I wanted to guide anymore. I was kind of burned out. And uh, the AT Lodge up in Millinocket, Maine, where I had worked in 2013, had called me and asked me to come back and manage it for them that year. Cool. Um, so I hiked the Mountains to Sea Trail. I managed the AT Lodge um, and kind of also got into ultra running. So started running 100-mile races and just spending a lot of time outdoors. So um, mostly I've been running and hiking for the last five years, and I haven't really stopped. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've followed you on social media. I've, I've seen you doing a lot of running, well, and hiking oh, too. Yeah. But, uh, what, um, so in terms of long-distance trails, did you hit any in the last five years? Uh, yeah, so I hiked the Mountains to Sea Trail in 2018. I actually didn't get a chance to finish that. I ran out of time. Uh, before I had to go to Maine. So I still lack a little bit of mileage over by the coast, um, but it, it did get ravaged by Hurricane Florence, and I have heard conflicting reports as to how that's looking, so I just haven't had time to finish that yet. Um, and this spring, when, when things started to open again after Memorial Day, I did do the Foothills Trail in South Carolina, just like a little shorty 76-mile hike. So Yeah, yeah, I love the Foothills, especially that gorgeous section. It's awesome. Oh my gosh, it was a great trail, very well maintained. I could not say enough good things about that trail. Yeah, it doesn't get the press that uh, the the Appalachian Trail, the Benton Mackay get here in the south, but it's awesome. It's it's really cool. Oh yeah, and, and it was it was more difficult than I expected it to be as well. Man, I was really hurting. <laughs> Yeah. Some of those yeah, there's some ups and downs in that gorgeous sex and some beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful suspension bridges, too. But mountains yes. to sea, that's North Carolina, right? So you're going coast to coast. OK. Yeah. So it, it starts at Clingman's Dome um, and it goes all the way to Jockey's Ridge 
um, to the Outer Banks. So that was a really exciting kind of choose your own adventure trail. I got to mountain bike on that trail. I got to canoe on that trail. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool. I've heard a lot about it and I've certainly hiked a lot of the sections in the Western North Carolina, but, um, it'd be interesting to get, to go through the Piedmont area, you know, and, and see some of the center part of the state with a backpack. Yeah. The, and it was, it was surprisingly beautiful. You know, there was a lot of road walking and horse trail, uh, used through there, but I utilized my mountain bike on those segments and did the road segments by bike. And it was just a really neat way to see the state. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. So you had mentioned that you were, you were doing some guide service uh, work. Yeah. Um, one, just a question I wanted to ask you is if you have any suggestions just for the listeners, uh, somebody that may be new to backpacking, going out with a guide or trying to pick a guide for the first time, like how you select a good guide. Yeah. So um, definitely by doing your research um, anymore, I do believe that social media is a really great way to get an inside look at a guide service. Um, all great guide services have their guides using especially Instagram, because man, there is nothing better than a beautiful trail photo, right? <laughs> um, I do highly recommend if you want to do a backpacking trip with a guide to ask so many questions that you feel like you're being obnoxious. You want to know what you're doing, how, how they run their services, what kind of meals you'll be eating. Um, ask as many questions as you want, and they will always be happy to answer them. Um, we would so much rather people come over-prepared than under-prepared. Yeah, and I'm sure that the pricing's all over the map, right? Depending on the services that are provided. Can you maybe speak to the pricing a little bit and what to look yeah. for there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually, um, when I worked for Walk in the Woods, I also was a subcontractor for the REI adventure trips. So if you booked a Smoky Mountain REI trip, chances are I would be your guide or someone I worked with would be. Okay. Um, and so pricing models... Um, are very different across the Southeast. Uh, my very best friend worked for Blue Ridge Hiking Company, um, and their prices were way different than ours. So um, I would say if you're looking at a three-day, two-night trip, expect to spend about $550 after tipping your guide, buying your food, and paying for the service itself. And that doesn't include your transportation. That's just for the hike. Okay. And does that typically include, I mean, will they come to the table with some equipment if you need it or you, that yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, for the most part, if you brought your own equipment, you really were only saving like 30 or $40 per hike, I think. Okay. Um, so it was just kind of expected that if you're hiring a guide for a trip, you probably either have very old gear or maybe you haven't started buying gear yet and you're looking for those suggestions from a guide. Um, and so it's a really great learning opportunity. So if you have your own gear, that's great. Um, but if you don't, even better, because we will provide it for you and tell you what to look for when you're ready to get your own. Yeah, and I would guess just on the meals, you, you probably provide breakfast and dinner, and then you're on your own for lunch. Is that how it typically worked? That is exactly how it works. Um, and usually, if you've got a guide that is really working for that sweet, sweet tip money, we like to bake homemade desserts and kind of pack them in, too. So every once in a while, you'd get a little sweet treat. Yeah, nice. Awesome. <laughs> Well, before we talk about the Tahoe Rim Trail, um, I did see in trail journals that you had planned a hike uh, on the on the Tahoe Rim Trail in 2017, but it looked like you were stopped by snow. Do I have that right? Yeah. So that was a really high snowpack year um, at the time of year. Um, so I was supposed to go the um, first and second week of August that year. And those particular weeks, there were still more than eight feet of snow on the ground in some places. Um wow. So, so, you know, we had, we had thought, well, maybe we can reschedule this. I was actually going to hike that trail with Noki. So I'm saying we, ah. um, and then it turned out his, his father got pretty ill. Um, and we were worried about him. So we ended up just going to visit his father and taking a little East coast road trip. Um, and it was, it was still a great summer, but we, we did not get to do the Tahoe rim that year. And it's always been on the back burner ever since. Okay. Interesting. So obviously you made it this time to get to Noki yeah. real quick. So if anybody goes back, listens to episode 28, you guys hiked a bunch of long distance trails together. We um, did, yeah. I, I saw somebody different with you on this last trip. So I guess I don't know where Noki is in this <laughs> whole thing now, but I got to ask in case yeah. anyone goes back. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Noki's doing well. He is, he's living outside of Knoxville at this point. He was a guide with me at Walk in the Woods as well, um, okay. and and we did the Mountains to Sea Trail together as well. Awesome, so. cool. And yeah. uh, so you know, I would I would imagine this year when you did the Tahoe Rim Trail, there was, well, let me ask you first of all, when did you go? Like, what was the timing for that? Yeah. Um, so this year I went um, the I went from August 13th to August 26th. So kind of 
the middle to end of August. Okay. And was there snow at the, I mean, cause I guess what, you're probably 10,000 feet easy on, on some yeah. of those passes, right? Um, yeah. So this year was incredibly different from 2017. Not only was there no snow at all, um, hmm. you know, little patches every once in a while you'd see in the little crevices of the, of the trails. Um, but we were actually there during record heat. Um, it was that day that they had recorded that 134 degree temperature in Death Valley or whatever that was. Okay. Um, so, so dealt with record heat on this trip instead of the snowpack. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, if you know, this is Desolation Wilderness is uh, one of the areas you go through. I'd actually been to Velma Lake there before that's on the PCT. And uh, we were there in July of, uh, I guess it was July 19th. This is 1998, Mm -hmm. but beautiful country. But we had a lot of snow in late July. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. And so it really depends on the snowpack. You know, I've I've been told, you know, if it's a good snow year, there's going to be snow all the way into September. Um, so yeah, it won't yeah. even melt before the new snow flies. Yeah, some of the lakes were still like partially frozen over too. And this was, you know, the latter uh-huh. half of July. So uh, just just to put that out there, I mean, obviously the listeners need to be prepared for that if they're yeah if they're going to do the hike. So do you want to give some quick background just on the Tahoe Rim Trail for, you know, it's, it's not one that's heavily talked about. So that's one of the reasons I was e- eager to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing I did not know about the Tahoe Rim Trail until I hiked it is that a lot of the portions on the um, on basically the southern and western half, well, I'd say the southern and western quarter of the trail, the southwest side, um, actually follows a lot of the route of the original Pony Express. Cool. Um, awesome. And so I got to I got to learn a little bit about the Pony Express, which was really exciting. And there was an alternate trail that was completely Pony Express. You could walk that instead of the PCT. So we did that um, a couple of times. Um, so so the trail in some form has been around in parts at least since the 1860s. Um, the Tahoe Rim Trail Association um, kind of came around in the 80s and the trail was not completed until early 2000, I think 2001. Okay. Um, so it's a fairly young trail. Um, in fact, a couple of times when I was hiking the trail, people would say, oh, is that finally finished? Um, yeah, okay. So, so um, there have been some reroutes in the last um, 20 years or so. Um, so it's a relatively new, com- it's like an up-and-comer kind of trail. Um, so relatively new, really well-graded, and very well-maintained. Yeah, and s- some of the Tahoe Rim Trail shares the Pacific Crest Trail, right? What, what percentage do they share the um, same route? So it's very small. Um, when you are through hiking the TRT, you're only on it for about 50 miles. 15 or 50? 50, 50, yeah, oh, 50. Okay. So, so about a quarter, mm-hmm. I guess, right? Like, yeah. Okay, I gotcha. And what, um, what, I mean, I was very curious about COVID this year and how that affected things, right? Because we did a trip, right. uh, we did a trip in Colorado and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the whole travel situation is different and I, I'm sure the numbers on the trail that affected that. So can you speak to yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So COVID was a huge concern. Um, I am very, very safe, and my hiking partner um, is a physician, so we are oh. we are very, you're, very safe. You're in um, good shape, and, and quite cautious. Yeah. So, so this year, you know, the the COVID situation really played into: do we actually want to travel out to the trail? You know, um, is it is it allowable, right? Because the PCTA was was telling people, please don't come out here, please don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, the AT was telling people the same: please cancel your through hikes. Um, so I spoke several times to people at the Tahoe Rim Trail Association, and they were encouraging people to to hike the trail safely. Mm-hmm. When when hiking the trail, especially in the busy areas like around Echo Lakes and in the Desolation Wilderness, I'd say nearly 100% of people wore masks or buffs. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so so it you know and and honestly like it waxed and waned. You know when you went to different places, people people obviously have different ways of dealing with it, but. Honestly, I feel I feel like for COVID, it was a very it was a safe decision, and I feel like I traveled as smartly as I could, and you know, I, I honestly had to be a little selfish and say that I really needed that hike. So yeah, t- I totally get it. Believe me, <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing I wanted to do more than was to get outside. You know, just being cooped up so much yeah. because of it. So I heard, and this gets a little away from maybe backpacking, but um, I heard that the Tahoe area had a ton of. Uh, people come in and rent um, cabins or in houses for long periods of time, multi-months, because they were trying to get away from the cities. I believe um, it. <laughs> which, which would have certainly driven day hikers up onto the Tahoe Rim Trail. Did you see a lot mm-hmm. of day hikers while you were out there? 
Um, so, so it really depended on the area of the trail that we were hiking and also the weather. So being there during record heat, uh, there were also record lightning strikes following that record heat and wildfires broke out and the smoke <laughs> was incredibly thick. Wow. Um, you know, uh, it actually was, you know, and I can talk to this a little bit later when we kind of get into mileage and things like that. Um, there were days that we actually turned around and went back to town um, and day hiked. So, so we saw lots of day hikers in some areas, especially the desolation wilderness. I'd say we probably passed 200 day hikers. Wow. That's um, a lot. It was a Sunday. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. Um, so heading into Echo Lakes, 200 people easy. Um, that's a beautiful but, area though. I mean, I understand yeah. why you're seeing so many people there. Cause it is really pretty. And like I said, nearly a hundred percent in masks and in wearing a buff or something. So it was, it was really nice to watch people, you know, be respectful of each other and social distancing while still being outside and still seeing so many other people. Yeah, so. you, you don't get that in the South where you and I live, right? It's like no, mask outside. No, Screw that, man. <laughs> I might stand off the trail for you, but I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you take what you can get, but I was really impressed with that because coming from the Great Smoky Mountains National Park on a record season, um, it was very different to see. So it was, it was really neat. Yeah. Now, so talk, talk to me about through hikers for a second. What, what is a typical, uh, group of, or numbers anyway, that are, that's doing the Tahoe Rim Trail each year. Do you have any, any sense of that? Um, so I really don't. Um, the Tahoe Rim Trail Association does keep count of numbers. You can apply to be in their 165 club. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to be a member of the TRTA to be recognized. So you do have to join the, okay. you do have to join their institution or, well, you have to join their organization. Um, so I think that kind of skews the numbers a little bit because not everybody obviously is willing to donate to a trail association. So it's hard to say, yeah. um, you know, and it was hard, it was hard to kind of keep track as well because it's certificatous, right? So you may see people going the opposite direction. You may see people going the same direction as you. So it was really hard to get a grasp on on who was doing what while we were out there. Yeah, I'm sure you ran into, I mean, there were obviously some people that were clearly through hikers. So just yeah. if you had to guess, how many do you think you crossed paths with during your hike? Um, I would say, I would say um, TRT specific, I'd say we probably saw um, between 25 and 40 okay. doing just the TRT. Um, on the Pacific Crest Trail section, there were a lot of section hikers. Oh, right, sure. Yeah, so it was kind of hard to tell us apart. <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds like a, a, a plus for the Tahoe Rim Trail, right? A chance to see the, some of the same beautiful country without yeah. the number of people. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about the scenery? Because having been there myself and having been in some of those high alpine lakes, it's it really yeah. it's amazing. And you're looking down at Lake Tahoe the whole time, too, which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was so much more beautiful than I expected. You know, you expect... You know, I mean, you see pictures of it and you get an idea in your head as to what it's going to actually be. And I got to admit, um, the first night, the sunset, I actually cried oh, because yeah. it was awesome. it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The stars were incredible. And man, if that didn't make me feel something in a year that's been really tough. Yeah, no kidding. That's the truth. <laughs> now, I mean, I guess it's a loop, obviously, so you can really start, yeah. start and finish anywhere. Where, where did mm-hmm. you uh, start? Um, so I started and finished um, from State Line, Nevada, um, which, as as one can infer from that, was on the State Line of South Lake Tahoe and Nevada. Um, so from there, it was super easy to get an Uber and go two miles up to the trailhead. Hitching was not a great idea out of town. Oh yeah. Um, and just there was just so much traffic, and people were uh, people were very hesitant to stop. So just grabbed an Uber. You know, it cost eight bucks and went up to the trail. Yeah, yeah. So. They were they were hesitant because of COVID, probably right. More than likely, um, as the trip went on, and we were in places that saw more hiking traffic than tourist traffic, it was very easy. Okay. So, so you did you yeah. a- you actually did do some hitchhiking then? Uh, yeah, did a little trip. bit. Okay. Um, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, because um, the smoke really took us off trail a couple of times just because we didn't want to camp in it. Um, and it was super easy to get picked up by hikers. Uh, we just kind of pulled our buffs up after we threw our thumbs up. Um, and when we got in the car and we pulled up our buffs and, and people, every single person that picked us up either worked at visitor centers or was a hiker themselves that was struggling to get around. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe you'd get a ride from some of the casino people too. Did you, did you venture (laughs) into any of the casinos at all? Yeah, so um, actually took the casino shuttle from Reno, flew nice. into Reno for this hike. Excellent. Took the South Lake Tahoe Express casino shuttle and 
got dropped off at a casino <laughs> to take the Uber up to the trail. So, but did did spend time in the casinos. Yeah, that's something you don't get on too many through hikes, right there. Yeah, right. The, the casino <laughs> shuttle. That's unique. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And so I would imagine you guys flew into. Do you fly into Sacramento or where'd you fly into? Um, flew into Reno. Oh, Reno. Um, yeah, stayed, that makes sense. Okay. Stayed at a hotel yeah. right across from the airport, um, which is where the shuttle, the uh, the shuttle for the casinos started and came back to. So super easy. Just walked across the street, picked up the shuttle, went to state line and got on the trail and same thing on the way back. So it was really nice. And if you're a really good card player, you can fund your whole trip. So uh, exactly right. <laughs> I was not a good card player. So that trip did cost a little money. Yeah, You can hone, <laughs> you can hone your skills there in Cherokee, right near the smoke. Right. Keys, right? <laughs> I'm only about 10 minutes from the casino. So that's funny. <laughs> So, uh, what I understand, the Tahoe Rim tail, t- Trail, it takes what? I mean, nine, ten days typically to do. Is that what? Yeah. Kind of how it played yeah. out for you? Yeah, I did it in nine days. Mm. Well, nine days, ten if you count the zero. I did take a zero day in there. That was on my list. I was going to ask you that question. Where'd you, where'd you <laughs> take your uh, Where'd you take your zero? Um, so, it took the zero day in Incline Village, which is in Nevada. Yep. Um, but there's a great public transit system. Um, it's called the TART. I don't remember what that stands for. Uh, Tahoe Area Regional Transit, maybe? I think you're right. Um, I think that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, right. I just put it together. But nice. I took the TART bus completely free right now because of COVID. Um, I think the fee is relatively low if it's not COVID. Um, but went back into California and spent the day on Lake Tahoe. Um, I paddleboarded, went to what they call a nano brewery. Um, you know, like tiny little breweries. Um, so I did take a day off and and spend the time on the lake. Awesome. And the water's super cold, isn't it? Cause it's mostly snow melt. Yeah. So, um, the water is super cold and super blue. Yes. Um, and it is just, it is one of the most gorgeous lakes I've ever seen. Yeah, it really is pretty. I mean, and I can't, I mean, you will agree with me, I'm sure, but I cannot understate to the listeners, like when you're on top of this ridges, looking down at that lake, it is really amazing. (laughs) It's so massive. Um, you never get enough of looking at it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and you mentioned Incline. Is that a ski resort as well? Um, so I, I think there's. It's called Diamond Ski Resort. I think. Okay. Um, Incline Village was was kind of a more upscale place. It was not my first choice, but but when the smoke blew in, um, it was either stay in Tahoe City and figure this out, or use the tart to get back and forth to where we could hitchhike up to trailheads. Okay. Um, so Incline Village, it, it is not cheap to stay in an Incline Village. And just just another great word for your listeners, um, there is not a single hotel with air conditioning anywhere around that silly lake. So be ready to be very hot. Wow, I'm surprised, <laughs> I guess, you know, because typically probably the weather stays fairly cool, right? You know, every single day somebody said, you know, it never gets this hot here. Oh, Interesting. <laughs> Well, and you know, I mean, I guess the other thing we haven't talked about too, there's a lot of ski resorts around the lake too, right? So you have yeah. interesting little pockets of kind of villages and things. Yeah. Um, and so starting out of state line, the very first way, the very first place you hike through is just going back and forth across ski routes. So. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was the Tahoe Rim Trail like you thought it would be and how was it different? Um, so it was exactly like I thought it would be when it came to terms of exposure um, you know, being here on the East Coast, especially in the Smokies, we don't have alpine zones here. Um, so it was, I knew it was going to be exposed. I was not ready for how exposed it was going to be. Oh, yeah, um, sure. You know, and the other issue, I think, was, again, being from the East Coast, um, I thought I would be fine just starting out and doing big days. And, man, the altitude really got to me. So, yeah. Yeah, it's legit. I mean, you know, I mean, I live in Atlanta, right? Thousand feet mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And yeah. I mean, I guess Western North Carolina, you can certainly be up higher, but uh, it's tough when mm-hmm. you just suddenly get thrown into 10,000 feet out of nowhere. Yeah. And so starting from state line, uh, I camped my first night at over 9,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not feeling well the next day. The next day was hard. <laughs> yeah. It, t- it just takes a lot out of you, right? Yeah. You, you yeah. You use so much Yeah. You, you think, man, I thought I was in shape. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, as much as you run, I think you could definitely have a, that's a fair, <laughs> a fair thought to have. Now you're, you're obviously, I mean, unlike the Smokies where you got a lot of cover with the uh, trees and leaves, uh, on the Tahoe Rim Trail, you're obviously above tree line a lot. Did you have any issues with sunburn, and uh, did the sun drive you crazy at times? Oh, yeah. Um, I took a travel size tube of sunscreen, and it was gone in three days. 
Um, I was incredibly sunburned and was very grateful for Echo Lakes. Um, They have a little general store there where I bought an entire tube of sunscreen and a giant canister of Gatorades. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the other thing you don't think about, too. When you're higher elevation, you're technically closer to the sun. Therefore, you can get burned easier, too, right? So... Anyway. So it was uh, it was definitely different. Um, I'm very glad I took my sun umbrella though. That really saved the hike. Oh yeah, that's a good tip. I never even thought yeah. about taking one of those. What? Let's talk about the backcountry for a minute though. Um, it's it's uh, you know, it's not like the Appalachian Trail. I don't believe they have any backcountry shelters on the Tahoe Rim Trail, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And so it's mostly tent camping. I mean, did you guys do anything other than tent camping? Unless you were in town? No, uh, no, it was strictly tent camping. Um. And, and that's that's more of a personal preference for me. I know some people that love the cowboy camp. We didn't encounter any rain, um, so we could have. But I just I really prefer to be away from the bugs as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Now, is, are there enough trees that you could effectively take a hammock and hammock camp? Yeah, I or? think so. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I've seen several videos where people were strictly hammock campers. And from honestly, there were very few places where you wouldn't have been able to find some place to set up a hammock. Okay. And, and were you, when you were at campsites, were you usually by yourself or did you guys end up sharing it with somebody else very often? So it really, again, depended on the area. Um, on night number two, uh, we bushwhacked down to a lake to have a nice water source at our campsite. Um, so we were obviously alone the night we bushwhacked down to this lake. Um, and then the very last night on the trail, uh, stealth camped. So also alone that night. But every other night, it was maybe one or two other people or... In one case, there were probably 15 of us. Wow, okay. At, Interesting. At one campsite. And again, it was on the water. There was running water, and it had been relatively hot, so a lot of people were just wanting to stay by the water. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's actually more um, shared campsites than I would have guessed. I was going to predict that you were alone more than you were with other people. Um, yeah, um, and, and for a while, there was this one guy um, staying with us every night who was also – he was actually doing his first thru-hike ever – um, and kind of kept pace. Um, and so it was for a while, just the three of us, but. Okay. And, and yeah. I thought I read that, um, you actually have to have permits too, right? I mean, describe the permit system. And I guess there's yeah. just to be clear, there's so, the camping permit and the, and the, the campfire stove permit. Yes. But you want, um, you so want to talk about those? Oh yeah, of course. Um, California has a campfire stove permit. Um, all you have to do is the Tahoe Rim Trail Association website is really great about laying this out, but all you have to do is get online, watch a video, answer the questions, boom, you've got your stove slash campfire permit. Um, and then the other permit you're going to need to through hike the Tahoe Rim Trail is for the Desolation Wilderness. Um, so you kind of need to know what day you're going to be there. Um, there's a phone number you can call to bypass the desolation quota system as a Tahoe rim trail through hiker. You're allowed to do that. Um, so you call this number, you get a lovely ranger. Her name is gay. She is the friendliest, funniest woman you will ever talk to. Um, and very, very helpful. Um, you'll see her name all over websites. So you give her a call. Um, she tells you how to fill out the permit online and then how to, write really big that you're a through hiker and she has you color code it a couple of different ways but super easy um and and i think that desolation permit was was relatively cheap it wasn't crazy expensive and and that's also that's the pacific crest trail section too right it is yeah so and it's it's a very very busy section it was the busiest section i encountered yeah i mean it was a section i'd been to before so that makes sense right mm-hmm. i mean I, I totally get that yeah. And then I'm also curious because, you know, California has had such a bad time with uh, forest fires in recent years. Yeah. So I, I know they're very strict on campfires. I, I imagine that campfire. Did you ever have a campfire the whole time? Not one. Okay. No. I it figured. was Again, it was so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but also um, it was just too dry. It was I was definitely not comfortable having a campfire. Okay. You know, it's interesting. When I was there in late July, we were freezing by the, by one of the lakes <laughs> at night. So I guess it can really vary. But you were saying yeah, it, it was, you were saying yeah. it was unusually hot though. That it was not. Typical, yeah, it was right? 103 degrees the third day. Wow, so. that's crazy. Yeah, and that was at that was at eight and a half thousand feet at Echo Lake. Yeah, that's amazing. But that's very unusual though, right? Yeah, trust me. Everybody kept saying it never gets this hot here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just just so we don't give the listeners a, a wrong interpretation of what to expect. Um, yeah. I mean, at least in at this time of year, obviously you could go in October and probably freeze your butt off or. 
Yeah. Whatever. And so I will also say this. I know two people that went the two weeks preceding the weeks I went. They went in early August and it was 38 degrees when they were on Mount Rose. Huh. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. for me, it wasn't. <laughs> so talk about the camp stoves for a second. So obviously we understand mm-hmm. the campfires are kind of a no-no, but the, the stoves themselves, that, that was the video you have to watch. And as long as you do it, you get a permit. You can use a camp stove everywhere. You can. Yeah. Um, now, one thing that did happen this year due to the wildfires that got, I mean, the smoke was just horrific. It was very thick. Um, they did ban camp stoves for a while. So really watch social media. The TRTA is really great about letting you know. Um, some state parks had already put the kibosh on camp stoves while I was out there. So it, it really was dependent, again, because of the fires. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a game changer because that changes, like, what you're eating, obviously. If yeah, you're, right. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> Um, and you want to just talk about, I mean, you know, typical foods that you get, you would take on a trip like this. Yeah. So, um, I got really, really excited about dehydrating my own food. Um, it's something I've been super passionate about. Um, I've been using backcountry foodie this time around. I just interviewed Um, her. I interviewed her like two or three podcasts back. That's funny. Yeah. Her meals are amazing. Um, they're super easy. They're not real hard to do. Um, and they're mostly freeze dried. So there's not a whole heck of a lot of dehydrating in there. Um, I personally always need my coffee. Um, so I am a huge coffee drinker. Um, so there's always going to be coffee. And then because of backcountry foodie this year, I've started doing, um, smoothies where you take freeze dried yogurt and ground it up with fruit, um, freeze dried fruit. And man, if those weren't a game changer, because if you are too hot or you are too tired to eat, you've just got like a quick 500 calories, just, just drink it down and go to bed. So yeah, I remember that she had a lot of smoothies on her website. That's episode 76, by the way, for the listeners. And, um, what, what impressed me just to give her a quick plug, um, was that, you know, she's got recipes. So you basically, you buy buy your own ingredients, right? She just sort of gives you a recipe list and so super cost effective. I think you would probably agree with that, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed doing it, and it made me think of things I never would have thought about before. Like, who who makes a freeze dried smoothie? Like, it was the smartest thing. I mean, it was it was a game changer when it was just so hot. Yeah, I was impressed with some of her desserts too. I mean, they looked oh yeah super creative. So yeah. again, I mean, it's back. What is it back? Uh, Backcountryfoodie.com, back Is that right? I, yeah, I believe so. I know that's her handle on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, it, it, an interesting, an interesting listen for anyone that's picking this up right now. Episode seventy six. If you want to go back in time after you listen to Sprinkles in episode twenty eight. So just putting that out there. <laughs> um, let's talk about critters for a second while we're on the food topic because uh, California historically, especially in some of the Sierra areas, I mean, has always had a lot of trouble with bears. Uh, you want to talk yeah. about animals, canisters, what, what you got to do there? Um, so I will say the Desolation Wilderness does recommend but not require bear canisters. And uh, when I spoke to the friendly ranger about the permit, she was she was very adamant that the bears are very smart in the Desolation Wilderness. They're starting to learn how to open canisters and she, she wanted to reiterate to be very smart about food. Um, I personally did not have any bear encounters. I didn't really have any wildlife encounters. I think, again, it was just too hot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, what about critters? Like, uh, did you see any uh, cool other critters like elk or anything there interesting? When I got two marmots. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was, you know, honestly, um, it, it didn't really seem like, there wasn't just a lot of animal activity in general. Um, we saw bear scat and we heard from many people going the other direction that a bear had just been in certain campsites, um, or had come through during the night and knocked around the canisters, but never encountered that personally. Yeah. Back to your marmots. So for a second, those little bastards are legit, man. They'll come in and they'll steal your stuff. And, uh, I mean, they're quick too. Like I've, I've had one steal a shirt and not want to give it back and getting to tug a war with them before. So, uh, don't underestimate their craftiness. (laughs) That's exactly right. I had a buddy that, uh, almost lost a trekking pole to a marmot. It grabbed onto the loop and ran away with it. So, yeah, I I just (laughs) wonder if they're just trying to mess with you or if they're after the salt, like that you put on the, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. Right. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, hey, so what about fishing, though? Um, you got some really pretty alpine lakes. I mean, you, you guys were through hiking. You probably didn't carry the gear. Did you see a lot of people fishing, though? Uh, no, we didn't see a lot of people fishing. We heard a couple people talking about it. 
Um, and at one point uh, during the day, I believe it was Richardson Lake, uh, stopped at Richardson Lake for a swim, like a mid-afternoon swim. And you could drive up to that one on a Forest Service road. And there were people like getting ready to go fishing in those lakes. Um, but we we did not, or, or nor did anybody we were camping with uh, go fishing. So Yeah, when we were there a number of years back, that was our big MO, right? It was to get a lake and do fishing. But uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for it. Would you agree? Oh, if, yeah. If you're inclined. For sure. Yeah. But I'm also kind of hearing that water is not really ever an issue. You guys never had issue finding water. It sounds um, like so. So the second day did bushwhack down to a lake just to be safe. Again, it was hot um, and just wanted to have that security blanket um, towards the end of the hike. Um, there was a dry 30 mile segment. Um, so we did have to camp dry that last night and then hike out with water the next day. Um, so we just filled up with five liters and hiked the rest of the way with that five liters. But honestly, for the most part, um, the Tahoe Rim Trail Association does a really good job of caching water for people. Really? Um, and they've okay. got, yeah. So, um, in areas where they know it typically tends to get drier, um, they will cache water at trailheads. And then, um, there was an area called Marquette Peak, I believe, um, where they had installed a water pump. Okay. Um, like a little well cistern system just to make sure that there was water out there. So, well, I, I would have never thought they would have needed to cache, actually. That's interesting that you're saying mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So I guess it really only happens um, in this 130 mile segment that's that's more on the eastern side, um, kind of between um, I'd say between Mount Rose and Spooner um, for people that are looking at a map or planning a trip. It does tend to get dry there late in the season, just before fall and before the snow starts to fly. Um, but but not always. So. So the, yeah. the elevations go, I guess, you know, roughly six thousand to ten thousand feet. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to compare and I, if i remember right the tahoe rim trail is actually graded for horses so is it yeah. is it significantly easier to hike than say um the equivalent mileage in the smokies i would say so yeah um i would say um the challenges for me obviously were the exposure because i'm just not used to that kind of direct sunlight so it was kind of a trade-off between the hot exposure and uh, the grade, but honestly, the grade was so nice and easy. I, I kept saying, man, my knees don't hurt. You know, my ankles don't hurt. I feel so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause they run you up and down in the South, don't they? Right. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but then you got the humidity, which is brutal, at least out. Which at, was terrible. Yeah. yeah. The dry heat was totally different. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you can say like, well, yeah, a hundred degrees, still a hundred, but it's still a hundred out there versus a hundred here is completely different. Totally different. Yeah, no doubt. So let's talk about horses for a second, because I, I know the PCT is graded for horses. It sounds like the TRT is fairly, um, generous in terms of not running you up and down a hill like we were just talking about um did, did you see a lot of horsemen out there um so we saw evidence but did not see any people um actively on horses um more than anything mountain bikers mountain bikes are allowed every other day ah, on segments okay. Interesting. um so there you know if it was if it was a sunny day and mountain bikers were out it was not uncommon to see Probably 50 mountain bikers a day wow, on those days. that's a ton. Yeah. That's way more than yeah. I would expect. Yeah, so the PCT section does not allow mountain bikes, but pretty much every other section does. Okay. Um, and they allow them every other day to allow for more even usage. Um, so the days that you did see mountain bikes, oh, man, did you see mountain bikes. Wow, that's so, interesting. I, I would have yeah. never thought that, actually. So it's interesting to hear you say that. What, what? I mean, to get it out there for the listeners, so what are the general rules? The horse has the first right away. And, yep. then, and then the mountain biker and the hiker is actually last, right? Yep. The hiker yields to everybody. Um, and honestly, every mountain biker we met was so friendly. You know, they would let you know, hey, coming up behind you, there's two more behind me. Um, you know, and or, you know, if they were going slower, they'd ask if there were any more people hiking in my group. Um, and everybody seemed to really get along just fine. So so that was also really nice to see. Yeah. What, what's the uphill, downhill uh, difference there? Is there any difference in in protocol or is it the same it doesn't matter yeah so, yeah so it is still the same uphill gets the right away but typically i think it's just whoever really wants that break hmm. <laughs> interesting you know that's something you don't see in the south too much i mean there are a lot of people riding horseback in the smokies uh right which which is an exception but for the most part and you and i have probably tromped around a lot of the same ground here in the south you don't see a ton of horsemen or you know horse women out there really 
Yeah, you really don't. Um, I've seen I've seen a couple near the Bartram Trail um, in places uh, close to campgrounds and things like that. But but honestly, for the most part, really, the Smokies is the only place you see them. Yeah. And same with mountain bikers. You just don't see them as much. Right. Yeah. Um, um, it, you know, if you hit Pisgah on a pretty day, you might see them, but not not often. And you have to be in certain areas. So you mentioned earlier the Tahoe Rim Trail Association. They do have a website, um, and I know there's some really good information on there, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, do they go into the resupply, or do you kind of have to figure that out yourself? Yeah, so the Tahoe Rim Trail Association has probably the most concise trail website I have ever seen. Um, you could plan an entire thru-hike just on their website. Awesome. Um, they they have the most detailed information. They tell you where you can send a box, where you shouldn't send a box, where you can resupply without sending a box. Um, so, um, you know, I went into the fact that I did uh, backcountry foodie meals, so I did mail myself resupplies. Um, so, yeah, I was able to do all of that with just their website. Okay. And so, I mean, it sounds like really the post office is your your main way to resupply. You're not, you're not able to pop in a casino and have lunch and uh, do, <laughs> do things like that very often. It sounds right. like, you know, and, and it's always been my, it's always been my experience. Um, just call the hotel that you're planning on staying at. You know, if you're flying in and you know, you're going to stay across the street from the airport at 10 30 at night, call that hotel because chances are the manager will let you keep something there. Um, you know, I, I kept a bag at a hotel for the two weeks I was out hiking the trail, and they were very friendly about it. And it's not something they do all the time, obviously. So, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of easy little towns that you can pop into and, and resupply and go. I mean, it doesn't. Not sound- really. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's essentially um, there are essentially four stops, um, and you could make more. I think if you knew if you knew better ways to get into places, um, but there were essentially four stops along the route. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um, I yeah. would have guessed more actually having been there and just cause the Tahoe mm-hmm. area seems so populated to me, but. Right. And so it is, I think that's like the misnomer here is that it's super populated. You can drive all the way around the lake, but man, sometimes getting into those little towns is just going to be a real hassle. So I, not to say that you couldn't do it, but, um, you know, Echo Lakes is right there on the trail. You don't even have to get off. Tahoe city is right on the trail. You know, it's half a mile up to the post office from the trailhead. So, hmm. um, so that was always a really nice option. Tahoe is a pretty booming area, right? With, yeah. With that, do you get cell phone coverage on top of the peaks, or are you pretty much uh, you're you're just out of you're incommunicado? I guess is what um, I'm saying. Yeah. So um, honestly, really, the only part that did not provide daily cell phone coverage was in the desolation wilderness and on the parts of the PCT. Okay. Um, for that 50 miles, it was nothing. Um, but other than that, you know, if, if I checked, um, would typically have it. Yeah. Are you a gut hook person? I mean, did you use the gut hook app at all when you were? Yeah, this hiking? is the first time I've actually used a gut hook app. Yeah. So, um, did and, use it on this trail, um, in conjunction with the, uh, Tim Harrison map. That's a great map. Okay. That's a good tips. I mean, any, any comments about gut hook? Because I, I have used him, uh, over the last, I was a Colorado trail recently. I actually picked him yeah. up for the AT and for some of the Benton Mackay in the South. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm very impressed with the app. So I'm just curious to get your, your take. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed the app. Um, I actually did originally purchase it back in 2017. Um, cause I was going to use it on that through hike and just didn't get a chance. So, you know, when you buy it once you've got it forever. Um, so I did have to learn how to use it. So that was, that was my only downfall really. I thought the app was it's so nice that it can be updated in real time, especially when you don't know if water's going to be available. Um, so I, I just, I really enjoyed the thoughtfulness that has gone into that app and how, how really easy it was to use never using an app before. So yeah, the user input, it's like Yelp, right? I mean, it's the user input yeah. is really where the value is, but it's also just nice knowing where you are. I mean, you know, it's yeah, like, right. where the hell am I? Okay. Now I know exactly where I am. Yeah. And so, so I will say I did have a navigation error. Um, the PCT and the Tahoe rim split and was not paying attention and just kept going on the PCT. And I just, I, I thought, you know what, let me just check gut hook. And it said, it said, you know, the, the junction, it said uh, 0.4 back. So I just had to backtrack and go back on the PCT over to the Tahoe Rim. So it was really nice for that one navigational error. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love gut hook. What, what about, so you mentioned, a, a, you know, some other resources for information. Anything else you want to throw out there that we haven't talked about already that uh, users should consider for getting good intel before they go? Um, quite honestly, just get on the Tahoe Rim Trail Association's website. It is concise. 
they lay everything out for you. Um, and I, I think mostly it's important because this is really, this is really a great first through hike trail. If you've not done a through hike yet and you're really looking for something to see if this is for you, they've really laid it out for you in that kind of way to say, Hey, let us show you the ways you can do this. So I recommend their website. Um, the through hikers that you met that were on the Tahoe rim trail, did most of them seem to have experience from other trails or did it seem like this might've been their first one as you had Um, suggested? So mostly, um, it was a lot of first time through hikers, honestly, Hmm. um, a lot of first timers and then a lot of people that have done kind of what I've done and they've just done all kinds of little trails. Um, so, uh, so it was a good mix of both. Yeah. It's hard to get the time. I mean, it's nice to be able to find these trails you can knock out in two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Which is, you know, more doable for a lot of people that have mortgages and everything else. Yeah, for most people. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, uh, uh, so I'm going to ask you kind of your greatest hits here. What was your most favorite stop, uh, in the area? It doesn't necessarily have to be on the trail, but just, uh, when you're in the Lake Tahoe area. So I will say my favorite stop was Echo Lakes, number one, because it was absolutely gorgeous. And that was like the first real Alpine Lake and exposure section for me. It was day three. Okay. Um, also that's where I was able to buy Gatorade and sunscreen. So it really saved the hike. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Any, any, did you get any trail magic when you were hiking? Um, so I will say, I, I got trail magic in the unconventional way um, of making my own trail magic. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, mostly um, when I was in Incline Village um, trying to day hike Mount Rose and that particular segment of trail, um, it was really hard to get a hitch because it's kind of a more upscale town and not a lot of people looking to pick up hitchhikers. So I walked to a visitor center and I asked if somebody in there wouldn't mind giving giving me a shuttle and kind of made my own trail magic and got a shuttle. So hey, that sounds good. Trail magic is trail magic. Take it anyway right? you can get it. That's all good. So, so that was my trail magic, um, and that and I think water cache, the water caches. Um, but that was that was about it. So. Yeah, I didn't see those water caches coming. That's really interesting. What yeah. um in terms of mileage, so. I mean, you probably had some low mileage days. You had some big ones. What 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 were the most that you probably did in a single day? Um, so I kept this hike really conservative. Um, the person I hiked with has not done a through hike before, so this was actually their longest backpacking trip. Um, so kept the mileage every day at right about twenty. I think the longest was maybe twenty one, um, and the shortest was maybe sixteen. So it was it was relatively consistent the whole trip. Yeah, you're right in there, man. Twenty one's pretty legit, especially up at elevation as well. Yeah, it was that second day when it was just really hot and we had to bushwhack down to that lake. Um, It was more on a desperation than anything else. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about gear for a second. I mean, you know, very different climate than being in the southeast. Like some things you took out there that you probably didn't need, some things that you were really glad you have or you had. Can you kind of comment on that? So again, it, it was it was relative to my weather conditions. Um, the things that I actually sent home at Tahoe City halfway through were my gloves, my long pants, my long sleeves, and my raincoat. Sent them all home. <laughs> I didn't need any of those things. Um, but your your experience may vary. The people there before me obviously had rain and thirty eight degree temperatures. Um, the one piece of gear I took and was so grateful I took was my umbrella. Oh yeah, right. It sounds like it with all the sun. Um, you know, and if you see, if you look at my social media, you will basically just see a little Mary Poppins for four straight days because I was just so hot and so exposed. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess when I ask this question, I know the answer because I think you've already mm-hmm. said it. But you want to talk about your best day out there? Oh my gosh! So my best day was also my worst day, and that was going into the desolation wilderness. Ah, um, okay. The wor- it was the worst day because I got so hot and just I was so dehydrated. Um, so it was miserable, but it was also really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to guess you were going to say Echo Lake in there somewhere, but uh, yeah, um, I had to ask the question. What What about like if? Uh, I mean, you've got some game sprinkles. I got to give you credit because you've done a lot of hiking and you've been on a lot of you know trails of this size in a lot of different parts of the country northeast southeast um west so Mm -hmm. if a friend comes to you and says hey i got two weeks and i want to do a through hike where would you send them oh i'd absolutely send them to the tahoe rim um it is it is designed to be a first through hike i mean it is just it's gorgeous it's accessible 
it's affordable. Um, I think it's a great first through hike trail. Yeah, there so. was there was no hesitation there. There was no scratch oh, in your all, head no. when you came up with that. Well, and you know, as as somebody that's worked with worked with the public as a guide before, like I'm I am more aware even now of people's ability levels, and it's just I really feel like this is a a really nice accessible trail to really really kind of test your skills and see if this is something you want to do. So you've sold me. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm on board. Um, so just to put it out there, the Tahoe Rim Trail Association is TahoeRimTrail.org. If anybody wants mm-hmm. some more information, um, I mean, you've definitely given them, I think, a, a pretty, pretty uh, um, strong support for being the best resource of information out there. So anyone interested should go there. Um, are you ready for some closing questions? Absolutely. Sprinkles, I'm so curious to ask you, right? I, I checked, I've been, you know, I follow you on social media, of course, and yeah. since, especially since we talked in 2015, I noticed your blog post stopped in 2018. Were you, were you they just, did. were you getting tired of writing? Um, so I've noticed that there was more interaction with the micro blogging that people were doing, um, on Facebook because Facebook was still big back then. Um, and on Instagram, I was just, I was getting more questions and more feedback. Um, so I kind of migrated over and just started micro blogging as we, as we were saying back then. So, okay. That's interesting. All right. So that makes a lot of sense. And I know you were super active with social media there for a while, but I saw you were getting kind of tired of, uh, of, and I understand how this happens, but, uh, are you worn down by social media now? I really am um, that, and I watched that. I watched that Netflix documentary, um, uh, Social Dilemma. Yeah. Oh my um, God, that's amazing, isn't it? You know, and it's it just kind of confirmed all the things we know about social media. Oh, so um, true. So honestly, I was I was relatively burned out. Twenty twenty has been a hard year, I think, for pretty much everybody. Um, and I just was kind of getting tired of being told I wasn't doing enough for whatever cause and. I wasn't representing for whoever and I, I wasn't doing enough to, to help make things more accessible. And I, I was just kind of be tired of being told I wasn't doing well. So <laughs> I took a break. You know, just for the listeners that have not seen Social Dilemma, it will absolutely blow your mind. I mean, yeah. you already probably suspect this, but um, mm-hmm. what's going on behind the scenes is frightening. That's all yeah. I said. And, and also... Um, what I do now for work is I do manage social media for a local company, um, for their Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. So I get enough of that at work and I'm just kind of over it. So I'm sure I will be back. I, I still do keep my accounts active for DMS because I do still get a lot of questions from people that are looking to start backpacking or people that were clients of mine have questions. Um, so I'm always still available via messaging on those apps, but I just, I'm no longer actively posting for a while. So all the people over 50 DM is direct message, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> just, just putting it out there. Um, I mean, I, and I know you're probably not as, uh, is, uh, active on social media as you have been, but, uh, do you want to plug your, your sites just in case you get active again? Yeah. So, um, I, I have been toying around with the idea of, of starting and back up the blog just to kind of stay off social media. So, um, you can find my blog at sprinkleshikes.com. Um, and across all social platforms, I am at sprinkles hikes. Um, I, I do have to flash back before we completely close out here to 2015 for a second, because I asked sure. you, I asked you guys a few questions and I, I'm going to pose them to you again. Um, sprinkles and, and I've got some answers that I were able to find for Noki, but I couldn't find them for you. The first question, and I'll tell you what Noki said in 2015. I asked okay. the one piece of gear that you can't go without. Okay. And Noki said at the time his compact pillow. He uh, apparently I knew he was going to say yeah, inflatable he, he, pillow. He discovered. I knew it. But I, I, I listened and I could not find what you told me back in 2015. I'm just curious. If I so do. I'm wondering if I told you it was a long-handled spoon. I used this. I used this GSI long-handled spoon that has like a silicone tip on it, so you can scrape every last morsel out of your pot, and you don't have to clean it. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering if I told you that because it's been my favorite item for many years. So really, the better question for you is: it, Would that still be over a five-year period your go-to item? Um. So. I would say that my new go-to item is the sun umbrella because um, uh-huh. I use it here in the southeast for rain all the time. Okay. Um, so that way I don't have to wear a raincoat. I just run so hot that I cannot wear a raincoat. I've given up um, 
so I would say I would say the Sunbrella. Um, or if I wanted to lose a little bit of backcountry cred, I do have a Helinox Chair Zero, oh, and I absolutely love it. I love it too. <laughs> so you know, you know, it's funny you say that um, sprinkles because I, I love my my Zero, my uh, Helinox mm-hmm. Zero, but I have a bad yep. habit. It's so lightweight. It's so ridiculously mm-hmm. lightweight that if you get yeah. up and you get away from like a campfire <laughs> and just the slightest breeze comes by, it's going to yeah, blow it, it in the blows. fire. Yep. And so I've had two of them go in the fire. Um, <gasps> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's. But uh, you know what? I am I am now a proud owner of a chair and my best friend rips on me every time I pack it, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with you, especially as I've aged. But um <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm with you on that. Let let me ask yeah. you about your most ultimate day in the backcountry because uh, I I did find your response from 2015, and I'm curious if it's still the same. But if oh, I gosh. if I had to ask you your most ultimate day in the backcountry, okay, um, huh? Wow, I really have no idea. Really? Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't even begin to tell you. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I feel really bad. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, you. Know, I just wonder if it's changed in the last five years. I can tell you what you yeah. said in 2015. What did I say? I'm really curious. Uh, you said the 100 mile wilderness, like at the very end of your oh. through hike. Yeah, that was that was really good. Um, I think at this point, it's just so hard to choose because I feel like after I've done all these guided trips and I've I've taken countless numbers of people into the woods it just seems like you have that day on every single trip. And I just, I don't even know that I could pick one out. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. It's not easy. I mean, the more you're out there, the harder I think it gets to decide. Yeah. Um, Like I said a minute ago, I couldn't even begin to tell you what my most ultimate day was. Yeah. So here's the next big question. What's next on your list? Um, so I had a lot of things get canceled because of COVID this year. Um, I actually was supposed to go to Peru and climb a glacier, a 20,000 foot glacier this year. Um, so, uh, so I'm still awesome. hoping, I'm still hoping that gets to happen. Um, you know, I, I started running and ultra running. Um, so at this point, um, I, I want to run all the world marathon majors. Um, and as far as trails go, um, I think the Colorado trail will probably be next. It's, it's long enough to kind of tamp back down the wanderlust of getting back out on a long trail, but it's short enough to where I won't get fired from my job if I take the time off. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just on it a few weeks ago, and it, it blew me away. It was awesome. But what, yeah. what, what I don't recommend is going straight from um, the East Coast and then, you know, day two, you're at 11,000 feet. Uh, that's not my yep. recommendation. Yep, so, <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is really is cool. I completely agree with you there. Yeah, so I think Colorado Trail um, will be my next distance hike. Yeah, awesome, good choice. So, um, I guess as we as we wrap this up, any final thoughts, any uh, takeaway comments for somebody that now is contemplating doing the Tahoe Rim Trail? Um, I just again would highly recommend you reach out to the Trail Association. They're super friendly people, um, and there's also a lot of really good information on YouTube. Um, I am not much of a YouTube person. I don't really like watching internet videos. I just don't really have the attention span to watch a video for four minutes. I don't know why, but if you're a video person, man, there is so much good information on YouTube. My hiking partner used it for this trail and was really well prepared. So yeah, YouTube is amazing. It's been a game changer in I mean, not just the backpacking world, but in, in everything, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, I right. Totally and so agree. I know it sounds ridiculous that I don't watch internet videos, but like, I just I can't watch a little short clip. I just I can't do it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, hey, uh, thank you, Sprinkles, for being on the show again. Um, great yeah. to great to have you back. I hope we don't wait five more years to do this. Yeah, but, uh, right. Let's hope I get out on a trail again soon. I'd love to talk more trail with you. Well, if you do the Colorado Trail, we got to talk. So you you got to bring that to me, actually. (laughs) Great. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks again for uh, taking the time tonight. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'll bounce into you in the Smokies sometime. Yeah, probably. I'm out there a lot. So (laughs) sounds good. We'll see you. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. 
You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of Into Backpacking and is copyrighted by Into Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at intobackpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.